It's recording. Uh, I already mentioned to Rolly. Oh, I said your name. Okay. Uh, we're not going to mention any church <laughs> church names. <laughs> but but names are okay within the circle. I know. I know. Uh, this one's okay. But I mean, this one. Okay. No church names. Uh, we could bring up sacred cows. We could do cow tipping today. You know. Um, but yeah, just because this is being recorded and stuff, there's already enough drama as it is, you know. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so this is Rolly's first time, and Tana, is good to have you back, and Janice. It's good to see Janice again. So, okay, we're going to be talking about tithing today. And uh, this is a really... Um, a lot of people get heated up about this issue of tithing. <clears throat> and I know Anton wants to share some stories too. I'll give you the floor later for you to share some of your stories. Um, but I really... I'm not going to ask you guys personally if you guys tithe now. Yeah, that's just between you and the Lord. Um, but how many of you guys at least have tithed in the past? Okay. Charles never. Okay. <laughs> He's like, I gave more. <laughs> okay. Um, and how, can you guys give me, or what, what does tithe mean? Ten. A ten. Okay. And then what were you taught about tithing in your church? Not what do you believe now, but what were you taught? How did they persuade you to tithe? It's like when you give 10%, you open the... Yeah, but it's like you're testing God, and then... Okay. Yeah, it's like you're testing God, and then He'll open the... Floodgates. Floodgates. He'll bless you a thousandfold. Okay, bless you a thousandfold. A billion, trillion. Okay. There's a verse somewhere that says you're robbing God. Malachi. Okay. Okay, so you guys are connecting it all together. Okay, that's actually the same thing. Okay, open the gates of hell, like what Charles said, in Malachi or Malachi. Okay, all right. Uh, but so, in other words, you were taught that you're robbing God if you don't tithe. Um, you're taught to tithe because God will open up the gates of. Hell. So, what if you don't? What were you taught? Okay. There's no teaching. I mean, but when they do offertory, right, at church, like they they don't tell you that if you don't tithe, this is how God will. Because I mean, what they use this verse? Oh, really? Some churches teach like you're going you're going to be cursed. Okay, you're going to be cursed. Okay, which is from Malachi also. Okay. That's the way how they perceive. Okay, like what kind of curses? <laughs> like a witchcraft potion or something. <laughs> Like, you know, when, when you have crops. Okay, like tribulation. Okay. Your business is going to go down. Okay, your business. Will, so mostly like financial stuff. Okay. Um, what else? Anton, what were you taught? Basically, we were taught that, you know, um, because my church yeah, yeah, yeah. emphasizes Lord. But it's spelled like this? No, I'm yeah, it's, it's <laughs> no, it's it's it's, Here's the first and last letter, and here's the letters in between. <laughs> it emphasizes Lordship. Okay, okay. They say Jesus, Jesus is really Lord. He's going to be Lord over every aspect. Yeah, okay. And He should be Lord over your finances. Your okay, finances. your money. Yeah, and He just, in His Word, it just says this is what He's Okay. Okay. So, but what if you don't? Were you taught anything about that? That if you don't tithe, is it more like instead of saying the word curse, did your church say God won't bless you in this area? Well, they highlight or... that partial disobedience is still disobedience. Okay. Okay. Like, even if it's uh... disobedience, you're still disobedient. Okay. 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 
Anyone else want to share on that? No? Now we're going to go through some passages that I think you really have to wonder when people tithe, do they really know what they're doing? <laughs> you know, because we're just taught uh, to give tithe because uh, it supports the local church. Uh, they call the church the storehouse or something like that. And your pastors need to get paid. Um, is that true, right? Typically, you give tithes because the building, you have to pay for your rent. You know, the, it needs plumbing, you know, just like any other building. The clergy needs to be supported financially. But then you have to ask yourself, is that what the tithe is actually all about in the Bible? Right? So, I mean, if that's just the way we typically... Is there any other ways that you've seen tithing done in your church? It's usually for those things. The salary of the clergy and for the uh, maintenance, right? Yeah, um, for, well, for my church, there's like the tithe and then the offering. Or the free will offering. And then they have like another one which is like for missions. Like, right, they have a separate one, right? Sometimes they'll, they'll, pledge. they'll pledge either for missionaries or even for uh, orphanages or something like that. But usually there's a specific tithe. It's meant to go to your local church. That's what they call it because of the storehouse. They, they use that verse. So you just really have to ask yourself, is that what the Bible is actually talking about? You know, that, that your, your money is supposed to go to your church to support your local pastor and uh, staff and to pay for the buildings. And is that bad when you really think about it? So we're going to go through some verses today uh, that I think for me when I was studying it was very eye-opening. Uh, actually, it's funny because I actually studied this last Valentine's Day, I guess, because I was single back then. I just studied on Valentine's Day. I don't know why. Uh, but I studied about tithing. Uh, what a loser. Okay, no joke. Okay. Um, but I want you guys to open up your Bible to Malachi. Malachi, uno, dos, tres. Malachi, chapter tres. Okay. It's my Italian friend. Okay. Uh, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Okay. Um, and there's going to be a lot of good stuff here. This is the main text that people use to support tithing which is the whole robbing God thing. And we're going to read through this because I don't want to just uh, just start saying my beliefs. I want you guys to actually read it for yourself and decide for yourself is, you know, is what Josh teaching actually there in the Bible. And you're going to be really surprised. Okay? Um, and so I'm going to read it off also because this is going to be audio. People that are listening, they need to hear the verse being read. Okay, so just read with me in just chapter 3. That's the only thing we're going to read. We're not even going to read the whole thing. Okay? <coughs> So I'm just going to read it out loud just so the audio could be recorded well. So uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. It says, See, I will send... Oh, actually, I'll just start with verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied Him, you ask? By saying, All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and He is pleased with them. Or where is the God of justice? Now, start for you. From here. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Who do you think he's talking about there? We've heard that a lot in the New Testament. In the, okay? It's John the Baptist. That's actually found in John, uh, Luke chapter 7, 27. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 2, But who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? For He will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. Who do you think they're talking about there? Jesus. Okay, is this talking about the second coming? Because it's talking about the coming, you know, we always think of second coming. What do you think it's talking about? Hey, what's up guys? Uh, is there chairs there? Let's make room. 
Can eat, don't worry. Hi. Anton, Louis, and John. Are oh, you met Anton already? Okay, this is Rolly. Hi, guys. It was quieter outside, it was loud inside, so. <laughs> okay, did you have your Bibles? Yeah. Okay, we're in Malachi chapter 3, and we're just reading. Started. We just started, yeah, sort of. Okay, so Malachi chapter three, we're gonna. So verse two is talking about who again? Who do you think it's talking about? It's about Jesus when he appears. So do you think it's talking about the second coming, or is it just talking about his incarnation, which is when he just came, right? So you can look at John chapter fifteen, verse two and three on your own, but it's talking about like how he he cleans people. That's what Jesus is like. It's funny how I use. What does yours say? Mine says launder soap. What did your version say? Who doesn't have an NIV? What's this? Um, Malachi chapter 3. Yeah, but it's talking about John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus Christ is going to come and, and basically purify people. Um, and that's really interesting, folks, because I'm going to be speaking at a church next week on relationships, and I think it's going to be the first time that I'm going to tell them that they're already pure. Okay, which is very radical for a teaching and, and, you know, for Christians about when you're telling young people, you boys better stay pure, don't watch bad stuff, you know, God's purifying you. But when you understand the message of grace, you're telling people that you're already pure. How radical is that for a lot of Christians, right? Because the Bible even says in, in the book of John that he says, you are already clean. It says the word, those words, already clean. Okay, but I'm not going to get into that now, but it's just something to mention. Okay, I'm going to keep reading. Verse 3, He will sit as a refiner and, purif uh, and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. Now pay attention to this part. This part's really important too. Verse 5, So I will come near to you for judgment. I will come quickly to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers and their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Now keep your finger there on this page and open up to Deuteronomy 14, 27, I believe. Deuteronomy 14, 27, I think. Okay, let me see, let me open there, Deuteronomy 14, Deuteronomy 14, okay, yeah, it's actually, yeah, Deuteronomy 28 and 29, I mean, Deuteronomy 14, 28, 29, Deuteronomy 28, 29, so basically what it's saying here, in Malachi 3 verses 5 verse 5 it's the same thing what they're talking about in Deuteronomy 14 28 and 29 okay so this is what it says in Deuteronomy 14 at the end of every three years notice that it's every three years bring all the tithes of that year's produce notice the word produce and store it in your towns so that who the Levites 
who have no allotment or inheritance. They basically have nothing of their own. And they're aliens, not aliens, okay, not like alien, alien. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's in the Bible, they're real, okay. The fatherless <laughs> and the widows who live in your towns may come and what? Eat and be satisfied. No, those are words that will really stand out, watch. And be satisfied so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Okay, can I use this? Just so. Now, just keep your fingers there because we're going to go back and forth. Now, who, when, it come, when it's speaking about the tithe, okay, especially in Deuteronomy, it might sound clearer there. Who was a tithe for? The Levites. The Levites, who else? The aliens. The aliens. Okay, the fatherless. Who else? The widows. And what were they supposed to do with the tithe? They're supposed to eat it. Okay. And what was uh, what the years? What all of the tithes of that years? What? Okay. After every three years, bring all the tithes of your years. Produce. Okay. Now notice those things. Uh, when you guys are asked to give your tithes at your church, what do they usually ask for? What's it basically? Money. Money. Does it mention money here? What does it mention? Produce? Now, do you eat money? Maybe. <laughs> no, if you're an alien, like it says here, no joke. Okay? Um, so basically, a tithe is something that you eat. It's produce. Okay, it has nothing to do with money whatsoever. Okay? So is that new? Okay? Because usually we talk about your, your tithing is usually your income. You know, and it still gets confusing and complicated there because you always have to wonder, is it your net or is it the gross? You know, like how you find 10 pesos on the floor, do you get one, you know, peso and then save that aside? You know, how complicated are you supposed to make this whole thing? And you're supposed to eat it, okay? Now, we're going to keep going. Now look at, this is where the, the main passage that people use as a proof text for tithe. This is verse 6, the whole robbing God issue. I, the Lord, do not change. So, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And here is the main verse. Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offering. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Sound familiar? John and Louis, is that familiar verse? That you, have you heard that at church? Okay. Or the building? Okay. Right? Um, so what is it saying here? Just summarize. Genesis, you've heard this verse, the robbing gun. Is that new? So you've heard that too, right? So basically they say, if you, don't, if you do not give your tithes, you're robbing God. And they will say, give your tithes because you can test God in this and God will open up the floodgates of heaven. And if you don't, if you rob God, what happens? You get cursed. Um, I think this is the part where Moses was Okay, you might have to speak up because yeah. of the audio. Um, this is the part where most Christians are confused because they, they think God is cursing them. Right, right. But uh, in reality, they are under curse because the land is cursed. When, when Adam and Eve fell from the Garden of Eden, God cursed the land. Uh -huh. 
and and everything that the land produces first. Right, right. So in reality, when we work and we earn money, the money is it's dirty. It's, it's right, right, right. Because nowadays we don't trade, you know. Uh, it's curses from trees. Or, yeah, yeah. Or animals. Right. Her nickname is Camel. Okay, anyway. So, it's kind of pointless. So the, the land is cursed. It, it simply means that when you, when you, when you don't tie, uh, you, you are under curse. You are under curse. Because okay. the land is cursed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a hard time with your work. Your, you know, right, right. Yeah, by the sweat of your brow because yeah. of the whole sin entering this world. Okay. That's done. That's done. Okay. Now, from what you guys get from this, how can you match that up with what you've been taught in church about tithes? Now we got to do some thinking on our own, so I'm not just teaching. So you've been taught, you know, give your, your money to the church. Uh, how can you make sense of what we just read? And also with connection with Deuteronomy 14 where we talked about the produce. Okay. I, I actually question this a lot of times because I wanted to understand it better. Okay. Because you're talking about storehouse and right, right, right. like a storehouse is like a barn <laughs> so or, or, or where you are fed. Right, right. So these like um, my mentors in my church oh, like spiritual feeding. would say that you know, this is okay. a reference to where you are fed by the word. Right, right, right. That is where you Okay. I would always ask, like, you know, you're talking about words like storehouse, this is like a bar. So right, how right. Like, now, like, I am in this church now. Yeah. But I'm going to visit that church over there. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, see? Okay. I'm getting fed, bread. we're getting fed okay. right now. Okay. Right, 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 right. And you're eating french fries. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. dude. <laughs> hey, Jello. What's up, man? <laughs> oh, dude, were you just in the area? No. Oh, okay. You guys, this is Jello. Oh man. Uh, for those, have you met Janice already? Okay, Janice, Anton, Louis, John, Roly. And you met Charles already? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Welcome, man. Do you have your Bible or no? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Every Christian carries a Bible. I'm just joking. Um, okay. Anything else about that? How do, how do you make sense of what we just read with what you're taught? Or does it not make sense with what you're taught? Sorry. English speakers. <laughs> That's what we read. Uh, me no speak. <laughs> Aren't you Filipino, bro? Uh, I guess uh, traditionally I would see tithing as, the, as giving back to God. Okay, giving back to That's God. Number one, okay. That if you give back to God, He will give you more. Right, right, right. So it's like a, the more you give, the more. So the it's kind of like an investment. Well, actually, traditionally, the highlight has been on the blessing, not on the curse. Right, as far right. as my experience, right, 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 right. That, not that God would curse you. As far as my experience, yeah, not yeah, even yeah. the context of this one, not that God would curse you, but God would bless you more. Yeah, yeah. If you entrust your wealth. Yeah. Right, right, that right. That kind of language. Yeah. But here it says, if you don't, <laughs> you'll actually be cursed. I remember when I was uh, at a church, 
and a lady that was ministering says, oh, God works with multiplication. That when you give, He'll bless you tenfold. So you give $10, He'll give you $100, <laughs> you know, something like that. And so it's, it's, it really makes you kind of focus on the money, though. When you really think about when you're talking about that kind of language, instead of really wondering, why do you want to give in the first place? You know, is it really just an investment? Oh, if I give, He's going to open up heaven for me? You know, is that, is that really why you want to give? You know? I think you're acknowledging that God owns everything. Right, right. But it's funny though, when you think about if God owns everything and 10% belongs to God, does that mean 90% doesn't? When you just, just think it logically. Oh, 10% is God, but the, this 90 is mine. <laughs> I can buy whatever the heck I want or something like that. You know, uh, it's just something to think about. People don't address that sometimes, you know. I guess how can you say that the 10% belongs to God? You're just like putting God in a building. Right, 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 right. What do you ever give to That's only where God's money is for Him or something like that, as if nothing else is. You know? I mean, in that particular act. Right, right, right. But I'm sure there's a context to that. Right, right. Um, 10% actually represents the entire thing. So when you give your 10%, it, it represents the entire thing to God. Okay, okay. And um, there's one, one thing I've learned that God is my business partner, and okay. He only wants ten percent. Okay. Of, you know, of the earnings. So. Okay. Something like that. Something like that. A senior, a senior business partner with the lowest, you know, percentage would be like fifty-one percent, right? Okay. 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 Ten percent. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. What, what, what? When really it goes to salaries too, yeah. and the building, um, and it's not bad. You have to pay for stuff, but that's the way we're we're taught about tithing. Okay, now we're gonna start breaking this down. Uh, who is Malachi? The Italian guy. Okay. He's he's a prophet, right? Um, what did Jesus fulfill? Okay, according to Matthew 5.17. You guys are there. Matthew 5.17. What's your question, bro? What did Jesus fulfill? Matthew 5.17. Okay, he fulfilled the law and, and the prophets. Okay. Um, and remember he's talking about also the prophet John the Baptist who was preparing the way for Jesus. Okay, but what Jesus was doing, he was actually restoring the priesthood. He made everybody clean. So we're all priests now. Okay? Now, does God need our money? No. No. But do we need money in this world? Yeah. In a way, right? So well, we know God's not stingy. Okay, God's not stingy. Okay, but now let's look at this again. Re let's read verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? Then it says, verse 9, you are under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. If you, who, okay. Should I ask this? We're, we're family. Okay, we're not even going to judge each other. Who hasn't tithed this month? <laughs> Everybody raise up. And it's okay if you did or you didn't. Okay, if you did not tithe, and I'm not condemning you, but I'm just saying, according to the scripture, you are cursed. 
Now, when you look at the curses in the Old Testament, they're pretty bad. It's not just financial stuff. There's like diseases, skin problems, you know, you could even be killed, etc. I mean, this is, we're talking about the whole law. Okay, you get what I'm saying? Now, just based upon experience, this is just why I think, you know what's funny, bro? Like, okay, I'm meeting our brother here. You've been to several churches. I wouldn't even mention the names of the churches. Look at how many churches are so different from each other, but we're all reading from the same book. And I'm trying to, hey, John John, what's up, man? One question, is it true or joke loud? <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> I heard the news, okay, I'm not sure if it's true. Okay. <laughs> now, we don't know. Now think about this. Um, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing this too, like even as I'm writing my book right now, experience is very powerful, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And typical, this is just from my experience, as a lot of, a lot of not all, a lot of typical evangelicals will criticize charismatics and say, don't base everything upon your experiences, but base your experiences upon the Word of God. You guys heard that kind of, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you think about it though, everyone's preaching from the same book. Now, this is what I tell a lot of people when I was speaking at my university back in the States. Let's just say someone reads the Bible and you're debating about whether or not miracles are for today. One theologian who can argue from Scripture with good reasoning say miracles are for today, and he sees miracles. And then there's another theologian who argues from Scripture that miracles are not for today, using Scripture, and he doesn't see miracles. Who would you believe? I'm curious. Remember, they're both doing hermeneutics, which is the art and science of biblical interpretation. They're all doing their exegesis. But yet one theologian says, I see miracles, and I could even prove it through Scripture that you could make a good case that miracles still exist today. But yet another guy says, no, miracles are not for today, but he has, he's never seen one. Who would you believe? I'm just curious. Most likely the one, most likely. Okay, not all experiences are from God. That's why you could be fooled. That's why we have some cults happening. But for me, experience almost drives your theology. And a lot of people don't just base things upon their experience. They also base things upon their lack of experience too. Just like Anton's on his own journey of the miraculous stuff. I'm pretty sure you're getting more open-minded when you see stuff. Some guy will say, that's not from God, but they will, well, what's this? <laughs> it happened during a worship service, for goodness sake, you know? People accuse that of being the devil or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, not everything is from God, but at the same time too, your experience plays a major role. You guys get what I'm saying? Okay, now, when it comes to tithing, I'm just curious. For those of you who haven't tithed, how many of you are still blessed financially? <laughs> okay. okay, now don't get me wrong. Now don't don't get me wrong. There are some people who who have been tied and they're really struggling. Okay, so they can say, see? There are people who tie but they're still struggling. They're still struggling. Okay, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's my that's gonna be my other point. Right? So there are people who do tie and they're still constantly struggling. That's their experience. So is this book true? Or are we just reading it wrong? Does this apply to us today? Right? Because when you even look, okay, like I said, I'm not trying to be mean. I've seen some Christians who struggle with money. They're some of the most greediest people. And that you can meet non-believers who don't live under the law. Okay? They're very generous. Why? 
because they keep having money. You know, they're not, they're not giving to the church. They're just good businessmen, but yet they're continually being blessed. How do you explain that? Is it because God's blessing them? Yeah, I think in a sense, of course, because all good things come from God. They're just not aware of it. But they're not tithing. So how do you explain that? I'm just saying that the power of experience is, is, is big. You guys getting my, my reasoning here? Okay. So I'm not saying don't tithe or tithe. I'm just saying just think about these things. Okay. Now it says that if you don't give your tithes and your offerings, you are under a curse. Now I want you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse 10. Galatians 3.10. <clears throat> this is a good verse. I mean, all the verses in the Bible are good, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Chapter 3, verse 10. Now, this is a very liberating verse. Yeah, scam going to read. You guys there? Okay. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do what? Everything. <laughs> written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law because a righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does, not, who does these things will live by them. But look at this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by what? Becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. What is it saying here? He took the curse away. There's no curse. Okay. Um, remember, I mean, this is what's so crazy, guys. Like, well, you know, you'll hear preachers just pick random passages in the Bible and just make it apply to you and me. When remember, this is a story. <laughs> Right, so not all things apply to you. You know, we don't we don't walk around naked like, oh, Adam and Eve did it, so we want to be. You know, it's like we don't we don't do that, right? You you don't just say, oh, this happened, let me copy. No, it's a story, and there's more revelation being revealed, and then now we live under the new covenant. Now, put it this way: is is tithing biblical? Yes, it's in the Bible. But then here's my next question: Is it Christian? Those are two different things. Is tithing biblical? Yes. It's in the Bible. But the next question that you have to answer for yourself is, is it Christian? Which is meant for New Testament believers. That's what I mean. For New Covenant believers. Okay? Tithing in the context of Malachi. Yeah. Right? In that sense. I mean, some people use tithing today in a way of just giving generously, etc. Okay? Uh, but still, though, the way it's mostly used is it's, it's more obligatory, like it's a command, as if God is the man. And they use this verse as the primary proof text, right? Um, if people want to give 10% because they want to from their heart, that's all good, man, as long as it's from the heart, you know. Um, like yesterday, it, yesterday wasn't even money. I watched uh, 127 Hours, a good movie, disgusting, but it was good, okay? Um, I couldn't finish my food. And so the moment I took a couple of bites of my, that, that's kind of rare, <laughs> you know, but the second, the, the moment I took a bite of my second bag of snacks, junk food, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to throw this away, I'm going to find a, a street kid. It was just really on my heart, you know. And don't worry, I wasn't planning it because I'm teaching a tithing. I had no, that didn't even cross my mind at all, okay. Um, <laughs> maybe it did, no, I'm joking, it didn't. No, but then when it happened was, um, the moment I got, I, I decided to take another route outside of Mega Mall. 
because I know that there's always street kids next to um, Shangri-La. And so the moment I, I walked near Shang, I saw this little kid going through a, a trash bag <coughs> looking for food. And then I just, I, I didn't know how to speak Tagalog. So I was like, like <laughs> And then I gave him my food. I'm not trying to make a scene, I just walked away, you know. And then I forgot to give it to him, no <laughs> joking, and I gave him the bag. And you know, honestly, you guys, I started to cry. Because I just realized, like, I knew from the bottom of my heart that that came from my heart. I didn't care about people watching me or whatever. In fact, I, I'd rather have people not watch me. So my motives are more pure <laughs> in that sense, you know what I mean? Um, does that please God? Even though it's not money. Or, or even though it's funny, even though when, when Charles went through that weird phase of eating a lot and he bought four ice creams or three ice creams and he saw a kid uh, going through trash. What do you think is more pleasing in a sense to God? Charles having a heart to give a kid ice cream because he saw he had compassion or you're giving to your church because it's a command. Which one do you think would be more, I think, God would desire? The one as long as it's from the heart. <laughs> the obligation would have gone. Because God commanded. <laughs> you guys get what I'm saying? God doesn't, in the ultimate sense, He doesn't give a rip about the external. Okay? The, the external matters as long as the external flows from the heart. Because of course your actions flow. But He first looks at the heart. That's what He's really looking for. I'd like to share something. You guys know the story of uh, Joseph, right? Okay. He, he uh, like ordered the, uh, the people to give uh, a fifth, I think, uh, of, of the land to do. Okay. Because it was the time of uh, a, a famine strike, right? And it was um, sort of a guide to God. <coughs> so, the, um, and the land you know, produce uh, crops. Right, right, right. And then when Joseph died, Pharaoh made it into a command, into a law. Right, right. To give, you know, uh, uh, a certain portion of the land. And then after that, the, the, the people uh, were in bondage. And then that's, you know, that's the time where they tried to do so when when you make make something that is purely out of grace and transform, make it into a, a law or command, then you're you're definitely gonna fall from it and become a curse. I think I know where you're getting. It's not like God is specifically cursing you, but it's like you're suffering from the curses. Yeah, I know what you're saying because this world is cursed. When, when Christians think of tithing as a law, and then you forget to tithe, then, you know, right, right, right. That, that's where you, you put yourself under the right, law. Right. Okay. Law is a composite, right? So you right. break one, you break one. You break one, you break all. Okay, so, you're supposed to follow everything. Um, now, if you notice in Deuteronomy, the tithe was never money, it was food, it was produce. Now, they were supposed to eat it, it was for the Levites. It was for the, the, the aliens, the widows, the orphans, and it was something to be stored in the, put in the storehouse for them to eat. Why? Because they own nothing. So it was always something that you eat. Now, as New Testament, New Covenant believers, what do we eat? From whom do we eat? Christ. Okay, what did Jesus say? In John chapter 6, do you remember? We read it last time. In John 6, 53, He says, Eat from me. Eat my flesh. 
You guys get that? So in other words, in a sense, who might the New Testament tithe be? Jesus. Jesus is a tithe. I'm trying to show people that everything always comes down to Jesus. Okay? It always comes down to the Lord. Who is the true fast? Jesus is our fast, in a sense, in the ultimate sense. Jesus is our tithe and our offer. Jesus is our prayer. But everyone in church nowadays is making everything so complicated that it's all about living right without pointing to the person that it's really all about. That it's really all about intimacy. You know, that it's not about, okay, you come to this church, let me fix you now. You know, I just got a comment on, uh, on, on uh, my video last night saying, Josh, I believe you are wrong, blah, 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 blah. Uh, th this person was thinking that I was telling people that God doesn't care about change. God cares about change. Why? Because change is good for us. But between you and God, you're already reconciled to Him because of the blood. You and God are exactly as Christ is, so are you. And you are exactly as close as close can be because you are covered in His righteousness. So yeah, change happens, but it doesn't happen because you have a command. It happens, why? Because you experience love. Okay, so yes, I'm, I'm all for change, but it's the motive. What gets people to change is not commands. You know, um, I was watching a video about like, because uh, I woke up with a stiff, stiff neck the other day. And it's kind of funny on how like, um, um, I was watching this YouTube video about how to make your neck feel better. He says that your, your body or your immune system or something doesn't listen to do nots. He says, if you, he says one of the reasons why people get stiff necks is because you sleep on your stomach or something like this. But every time I told myself, this is the guy, every time I tell myself, don't sleep on your stomach, don't sleep, I sleep on my stomach. <laughs> says, but the way that I don't sleep on my stomach is when I say, I'm going to sleep on my back. You know? I'm going to sleep on my side. You know, instead of just saying, uh, don't, don't cheat on your wife, don't cheat on, don't lust, don't, don't, you know, but if you just tell someone, just love each other, you know, instead of saying, don't do this, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, it just, I saw a book the other day that said, like, do not read or something like that, I really did, saw a power book, and what did I do, <laughs> I read it, because it just makes you do, the, you know, the opposite, you know, and that, that's the same thing it is when, when you know, when you're, when you're told you have to give, it's hard for it to really flow from the heart of compassion. Or when people use guilt trip to get you to give. What about those starving kids in Africa? Yeah, there are, but, but, but don't use guilt. You know, there's all these people on YouTube adding me, like these preachers. I don't know why they're adding me. You know, they're like, they're really law preachers, really. And they're using guilt saying, geez, you know, because they could even use, try to use the cross as guilt. Jesus did all this for you and you're going to live like that? You know how they can manipulate and twist that too? Look, oh, after all Jesus did for you? Like I know what they're saying, but you can see on how the law mentality could creep in that. Yeah, Jesus died for you, but, but there's this motive that people have that they always have to use guilt to get people to do the right thing. But I'm telling you, it's not about always doing the right, it's, it's just really about love. That's how you're identified in this world, is because of love. Okay, does that make you sense so far? Okay. Um, now, here's what I learned several years ago. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. This, you don't have to copy this. I stopped tithing for pr probably 10 years ago. I just don't tithe. Um, so I'm going to hell. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. No, I just, I just stopped tithing because I was already convinced biblically and because of my own experience that it didn't make sense to me. 
Not because somebody said don't tithe, judge. I'm just saying I just don't tithe because it didn't make sense to me. Like biblically, and here's how I can prove it to you, okay? Did you know that when you think about that, that we're actually falling short of what we're actually supposed to give according to the Old Testament, if you're supposed to tithe? Did you know that you're supposed to actually give 23.3% of what you have if you calculate all of the tithes in the Old Testament? Is that new? I, I studied this in theology because even my professors, um, one of my Bible professors that teaches hermeneutics, how to enter, he even taught us about how it is equal to about 23%. It doesn't equal to 10, so everyone's making it oblig you know, uh, obligatory that you have to give 10. They're actually falling short of the actual tithes that were supposed to be given in the Old Testament. I've heard it before. You've heard it before, right? Yeah, 20, it's actually 23.3. Now, this is how I break it down. The biblical tithe, God commands us to give 23.3% of their income. So when you think about 20% yearly and 10% every three years, that equals 23.3. You get it? So 20% yearly and 10% every three years equals 23.3%. Because so, there are several tithes that you're supposed to give, man. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And remember, it wasn't even money at all. Okay? Now, uh, look at it like this, okay? I'm going to break it down for you. There are three kinds of tithes. Now, people don't even break this down. There are three kinds of tithes in the Old Testament. I'm going to break this down. There were tithes of produce to support the Levites because they didn't have anything. Okay, so remember these things if you want to explain it. You needed to give the tithes to support the Levites who didn't have anything. Okay? And the verses are, okay, I'll quote the verses so people on the audio too. It's Leviticus chapter uh, uh, 27, verses 30, 30 to 33. Numbers, I think it's uh, chapter 8 or 18, I wrote it down sloppy. Verse 21 to 31. So that's the first tithe to the Levites. The second one is a tithe of produce to sponsor religious festivals. Okay, it's like events. Okay, you sponsor religious festivals. Um... And here's the thing, if, because you have to carry produce, if you, if you go to these events, if you cannot carry the produce, if it gets too heavy, you convert it to money. That's the only time it becomes money, is that when you cannot carry it, the Bible says it, you convert it to money. Okay? And that's found in Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 27. Okay, it's called a festival tithe. Third, it's a tithe of produce uh, collected uh, every third year for the local Levites, the orphans, the strangers, and the widows, which is what we read earlier in Deuteronomy 14. You see those three different tithes? So people would try to argue that, see, you have to support the Levites, and so that means support your pastor. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work, okay? Um, so that's the biblical tithe. That's basically all that it was for. It wasn't to a local church, okay? Or any of those things. Um, the storehouse was... Um, it was a place, it was the, the chambers of a temple. Okay, that's where you store it in the chambers of a temple. Okay, I'm just looking at my notes. Okay, any questions so far? No? Okay, so what's the produce? The produce was the seed of the land, the fruit, and the herd or flock. None of you guys own flock or herds or any of those things, okay? Unless you have a farm or something like that. Okay, so none of you guys are doing that. So just think about it like this. The way it functioned was like, like the way taxes are in the States. I don't know how it is in America. But the tithing system in the Old Testament is just like in this, um, the way it works in the States. If you do not give your taxes, there's going to be a penalty for that. You're supposed to give your tithes to support the government, right? It's for the government. So just like 
that in the Old Testament, he had to support these religious festivals and leaders, etc. Okay, is that making sense so far? Okay. Um, now, thoughts before I keep going. Um, wait. <laughs> um, if you're gonna relate it to like, what would apply to us now, of course it wouldn't apply because people then like what they do is farming and all those stuff. But people now, their ultimately their produce are like money because they work and you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but they had money too. Remember, they could convert it to money, but that wasn't the tithe. Remember, the tithe was supposed to be put in a storehouse for the orphans because they're supposed to eat it and be satisfied. So it's different. So God wasn't even asking for their money. He was asking for their produce. I, I think tithe could represent a lot of things like your time, uh, your time to God. No, uh, sorry, your, your time every day you can See, but that's hard though, when you think about it, bro. Yeah, this, like, this right, when you think about it, how do you make 10% of your time every, a day when, when... I think the tithe was really designed for... It was ancient for that, Israel. For that the, the tithing system was specifically meant for ancient Israel. When you think about because I know, I've heard that too, because you can set aside your time. But when you really think about it, like I've said before, there's no even such thing as setting aside time for the Lord, when all of your time is God's time. It's like, 10% of my time today... But the rest of my time, Lord, is mine. <laughs> you know, but Lord, all of your time is yours and mine together. You know what I'm saying? Because it, because it's a, it's just like I'm gonna spend 10% of time with you, Remy. No, just I'm just trying to like. Okay. Yeah, but this is, we're talking about time. And just to share very briefly, there is a there's a word, verse in the Bible that really spoke very powerful to to me, which is. Whatever you do, yeah, do it for you, the glory of whatever God. So you eat or when drink. I was thinking before, what kind of time should I allocate? Like that verse, like overpowered or super. Right, right. Whatever you do, right, right. Make sure it's giving God glory. Yeah, and yeah. then you don't think about allocation anymore. Exactly, like, exactly, right. It's when you when you don't focus on that. I guess oh. But time's up, Lord. Okay, you know you'll be looking at your watch the entire time. Or sometimes I think uh, uh, what happened something in the past is if, uh, put more focus on how they use things rather than why is it what did they you know what did they do yeah what was the purpose, purpose for, for? <laughs> um, like for example during the, was that Exodus um, Malachi or Deuteronomy uh, the one with the Levites the... it's Malachi and Deuteronomy Deuteronomy yeah yeah so because 14. people during the time they want they don't yeah, yeah. Uh, so for, for, for them to be fed, I mean, yeah. the whole is, Israel, Israelites should help each other. Yeah. Put up a storehouse. Yeah. Okay. I remember this was actually a command from God. So it was something that they were, they were actually supposed to, if they don't, they're under a Remember, they were, actually, they were under the law. They were under, this was part of the law system. But the Bible says we are no longer under the law. No longer under the law. Okay, um, open up to Colossians chapter 2, <coughs> verses 13 and 14. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Okay, 
All right, so go eat popcorn. Go eat popcorn. Go eat popcorn. Go eat popcorn. Yeah, Colossians 2, 13. Popcorn. Okay. So I'll read it. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature or the flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Now here's the part. Having canceled what? The written code, which is what? With its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, He took it away, nailing it to the cross, etc., etc. So with all the regulations that had to do with the law, which had to do with these festivals and all these things, with giving the tithes, what happened with it? He canceled it. It's done. Okay? That's all, you know, all these civil ceremonial laws, dietary laws, none of, none of us follow that. We're eating McDonald's, okay? We don't follow the dietary laws. The, the first person to die in the Old Testament was Abraham. Right, right, right. When um, he conquered... He was an astrophysicist. Yeah. But, you know, it, it wasn't the law, but... Right, right. Was, exactly. He, he gave it, right? So, exactly. But the way we, we look at it, when when we make uh, when we transform something into a law like a command, it becomes different. Right, right, right. But yeah. you know, for example, uh, Joseph, right? Uh, he he did, you know, when when Potiphar seduced him. Right, right, right. There, there was no lawyer at the time, but he you know he simply. Because of his relationship with God. Because of his relationship with God. It's more of like when you make it into a law, like you do not, you know, do not uh, combat your neighbors. Yeah, yeah. And that's the time you actually combat your neighbors. Right, right, right. Okay. Very good. Now, so he brought up that point. I was actually going to bring that up. But remember, all the ceremonial laws were already canceled on the cross. That's pretty clear, man, in the Bible. Because remember, you break one, you're guilty of all. If you want to still hold to the law, you still have to hold to circumcision because that was still part of the law. Okay, so all you guys uncircumcised, okay? Right, you get what I'm saying? So if you're not, it doesn't matter, okay? Because you're no longer under the law. Okay, now, like what he said, what about Abraham? Okay, now, he lived before the law. He tied before the law and he gave it to Melchizedek. Melchizedek, okay? Okay, so how, so how do you explain that though? Some people actually use Abraham as an example. See, it's, it's not part of the law because he tied before the law. So how do you respond to that? You guys get the argument though? So these are the people that are pro-tithers. Okay, so it says, oh, Josh, it's not under law because Abraham gave before the law. Really? Let's go home. Okay. What did he mention earlier about Abraham's tithe? Did he, did he have to give it? He just gave it voluntarily. God did not command Abraham to do it. Okay, second point. What did he tithe? He fought in a battle. Okay, well, here's a verse just so you can look it up uh, on your own. About Abraham, it's actually found in Genesis 14, uh, verse, chapter 14, verse 12 through 20 something. Okay. Now, and in that same chapter, it talks about that he tithed what? Was it money? Do you know what he tithed, Charles or Rolly? He, he tied the spoils from the battle that he fought. So, you know, like when you, like for example, today, if you win a lottery or something, you just give. <laughs> That's kind of like, so he, he, there was a battle that he fought from the spoils from the battle. He gave it to God. Was he asked of it? No. 
he just gave it. Third point about Abraham's tithe is that according to the Bible, we only see that he tithe only once. So, if you want to use reasoning, that if you want to use him as a primary example or a proof text, how many times should you tithe? Once. And in 175 years that he was alive, only tithe once, according to scripture. He didn't say it was a weekly thing, he didn't say it was a monthly thing that you're supposed to do at church. He didn't say it's whenever you get your paycheck and doesn't, you know, it doesn't say anything about that. Your, your net income, your, your gross, you know, it's like, that's how complicated it gets, folks, when it comes to this tithing thing. You know, and, and this is not to bash every mega church, okay? But this is just the way it works. When you're a part of a mega church, you do need a constant flow, a stream of money coming in. You need that. You need that. Okay? Uh, because a lot of times, a lot of pastors have admitted that they were people pleasers to the big tithers in their congregation. Not everyone's like that, but I'm not surprised. That just happens. Okay, if, if someone's supporting you, you're going to treat them nice. <laughs> Especially if they're one supporting your way of living. Okay, so not everyone's like that, but a lot of pastors... Have, so you have that temptation is very strong there as a pastor. Okay. Um, okay, any questions about Abraham? So is that new, the Abraham thing? Okay, did you know that, Jello? About Abraham? Okay, so that's new? No. No? Okay, so now... Now, when, when we speak of the, of the New Testament, we talk about that it's the good news, right? Like when I first met John and I, we shared grace, John said, it's good news. <laughs> I remember that, okay? And he was like, ah! That was joking. No, he wasn't crying. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, I just, I just, oh. <laughs> okay. um, is giving 10% and making it obligatory for people to give good news to the really poor? Many times people will feel so guilty that they have to give more. So they can kind of do that investment thing that if I give more, God's going to get me out of this financial you know, bankruptcy or something like that. And they end up getting worse. In fact, it's not even good news. Now, what's 10% to the filthy rich? Is that a big deal? To the filthy rich? Like dirty! <laughs> to the filthy rich. Is that, is that bad news for them? No, it actually might even be good news. Why? Because 10% is not that much for a filthy rich person. It'll hardly affect their lifestyle. Right? Okay. Is it making sense so far? Okay. Now, how many times when you really think about it, that you've just really given out of guilt many times in church? I have. Or it's funny, like, especially in the States, every kid... Or the tax savings, right? Or especially when you're a kid, it's always funny. For every kid, it's always a quarter. <laughs> it's, like they, it's not even really a tenth of it. It's like they just always have to give a quarter, you know. Um, but it's like, it's not, because God doesn't really care about the amount in the ultimate sense. Okay? He just cares about your heart. Um, that's why you know that story about the woman in, in Luke who gave out of her poverty. She gave out everything that she had. But it wasn't even because of that money. It's because of her heart. Okay? That's what pleased the Lord. Okay? Um... Now here's a good quote. Now, I won't talk, get too deep into this, but you know the whole clergy system. This is very controversial when it comes to people getting paid as clergy. I'll put this on audio, I don't care. Um, I think that's anti-New Covenant. A paid clergy. Because number one, the clergy 
the hierarchical structure within churches today are, are unbiblical. And I'm just gonna make that blanket statement there. Okay, uh, but you guys, a lot of you guys already know my views. But it is, it is very, very anti-New Covenant. You will not see that structure, that what we have. It's like a business. And then to make them a, a special class of ministers who are, tr who are the ones that can only handle the Word of God. They're the ones that get paid. No, Paul didn't even take money. I'm not against being supported by, you know, like apostolic workers get supported, missionaries get supported. But to make it like a regular system to pay a clergy, I'm just saying, think about that. Okay, we're not going to get it. But really think about, is that, is that something you really think is very healthy within the body of Christ? Creating a special class of ministers that are able to handle the Word of God when re in reality we are all priests for goodness sake. All of us are priests. You know, one guy messaged me yesterday and he, I, he's into the New Covenant stuff. I said, bro, I'd like to meet you because I, I want to connect with more New Covenant people. He says, I'm not a minister. I'm just a regular guy. And I said, bro, if you have the heart of God, you're a minister. And so we're gonna, I'm going to meet this American guy next week. Because I don't give a rip about all of the pastors here who have the titles, who have the big platforms. If you have the heart of God, that's the main thing that matters. <coughs> okay, you know, the whole getting paid thing, that's a controversy. I'm just saying from my own conviction, I just don't see that as a biblical thing. You just don't see it in the Bible. <laughs> right, this whole structure of, uh, of clergy and hierarchical structure, okay? Uh, but anyways, but think about it. For, for those in the clergy that have to depend upon their salary upon their congregation. I like this quote. It's from Upton Sinclair. He says, It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. Okay, I'm going to read that again. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. If you were to share this to a minister who's paid every week and you share this new covenant stuff, it's going to be hard for them to swallow. It takes a lot of balls, okay? I'm going to say, it takes a lot of balls to get out of a system and to figure out how to make money on your own. Because did you know that there's a lot of ministers leaving churches today and it's sad because they are not trained in any other area so they don't know how to make money anymore. Because they all of a sudden have this revelation that, you know, like I said, I'm not against the church. But they leave this system. It's the system. It's not the church. It's the system that I'm questioning. It's the system that when people leave, they don't know what to do. Because they weren't trained. Because their lives depended upon the institution. So does God use this system? Yes. Yeah, just people will... <laughs> I don't want all these negative comments, okay? On Facebook. <laughs> okay. um, God, you, but I'm just saying there, there's this mixture there in this system where folks, it's not like... This preacher is the man, you're a man of God, John. Jello, you're a man of God, even if you don't preach in front of a pulpit. You're a woman of God, even if you don't preach. Or you're about, because you have this revelation of Jesus Christ. That's all that, it, Paul was a smart guy, but what made Paul who he was, wasn't because of his training, but it was because he had this revelation of Jesus Christ. That was it. He says, I consider all those things rubbish. Do you guys remember that verse? He was a Pharisee, he, was a Pharisee. he knew the law. But he said, I consider all those things rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's it. If you just have the heart of God, that's what really matters in God's eyes. A lot of these things, I feel like God is really wanting, like, why all these, this hierarchy and making people feel low? 
and making them so dependent upon pastors that you could understand God just as much. Really, screw the, the degrees and the diplomas, man. You know what a good friend of mine said to me the other day? Uh, he said, Josh, do you know why you're a, a, a magnet in the Philippines? He meant chick magnet. No, I'm just joking. No, he talked about... <laughs> I just joking. I, just joking. I love you, Randy. Okay. <laughs> no, he said that um, I'm actually... He says, it's kind of funny, but he's like the main target for the grace persecution in the Philippines. Uh, it's kind of an honor, honestly. But then he said, do you know why? He says, Josh, do you know the people that got this grace revelation? We don't have Bible degrees. That's what he said. He says, you know, Josh, this pastor here, this music, they went to this Bible class, but this is just a Bible class at the church. It's not a big thing. You know, but, but he says, Josh, but when we have this revelation, who don't, you know, when we don't have these degrees, and a theologian will criticize us grace people, who will people listen to? The theologian. That's from these popular seminaries. But he said, but then all of a sudden, Josh, you came to the Philippines, and you came with all these degrees, and you're preaching grace, and now people are confused. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and, but the thing is, you folks, that's the thing, because the way this world is, and which is really, is that they put so much emphasis upon your position. And your degrees. Like, I don't, you know, praise God for UP and Ateneo, but really, who cares in the, in the ultimate sense, man? Because some of them are still looking for work, and some people that are, they didn't go to Ateneo, they still got better job. You know, that's just the way, in reality. So we have to get rid of this mindset that, that we're better because of titles, positions. Who cares if you work in the government or not? <laughs> Whatever, you know what I'm saying? God doesn't care about that. We are all one. This is new covenant, man. Okay, is this making sense? Okay, I'm not trying to piss people off. I'm just like, this, let's just talk, man. Okay, let's tip some cows over, okay? <laughs> right? um, and how many times is, our, is tithing mentioned in the New Testament? Is it even mentioned at all? No, it is. <laughs> okay, it's mentioned four times. But did you know that in the context of all those verses of tithing mentioned in New Testament, it was never about New Testament believers giving tithes. It had to do with self-righteousness. Look at those stories again of those people. And when it mentioned tithing in the New Testament, it had to do with self-righteousness and legalism. And when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it talks about that when you give, you decide in your heart how much you're going to give. And that God wants a cheerful giver. It's not like, oh man, I got to give 10. Crap, the, pas the, the basket's getting passed over. You feel guilty because people are watching. You know what I'm saying? And that, that happens in the church because we're so performance image based within the church. It sucks. You know, or some churches, and this happened at churches that I know of, where when you're part of staff, some pastors, they want to become anonymous because you know, they just don't want to be known. But because um, the, the, the pastor didn't know that they were giving, they, were, they had like a penalty for that because they're supposed to give as the leaders of the church and set the example, when really it was never like a free will thing. It's because you're the leaders. You get what I'm saying? You know, and, and you know, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean, okay? But we were talking about this earlier. Sometimes when you get so caught up in this trying to follow everything here, the laws, people just look more religious, man. You know, honestly, like sometimes when I see a new believer come to Christ, it blesses me, but I get a little bit afraid when they get caught up with church, honestly, just 
not not all the time, but you get my mentality. Like, you get a little bit concerned because he started having this religious language all of a sudden where they sound so weird. You know, like they don't sound Christian. Like, I have to do this. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not against the fasting, but you know, it's just like you get what I'm saying. The the language changes so fast. You know, I gotta spend time with God. I can't hang out. I have to go to Bibles. You know, I just, you know, it's like those things are not bad in and of themselves. But you see what I'm, my, my point is that people just are becoming more and more religious and they start forgetting about the heart of God and they forget about being free. They forget about being free. Okay, and, and I wasn't going to share this, but I'll just share it anyways. Do you, do you know how free you are, folks? Okay, this is how a lot of people misunderstand freedom. And this might get a lot of negative stuff, but whatever. Okay. Uh, now think about it. this. This is how free you are in Christ. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know how Christians interpret that? They say, yeah, but it's not a freedom to sin, it's a freedom to love. It's a freedom to overcome sin. You guys heard that before? That's the freedom that we have as Christians? No. Do you know how free you are? You're free to sin. Did you know that? You are free to sin, and you are free not to sin. It's your choice. That's how free you are, because even when you do sin, the good news is that God still loves you exactly the same. Folks, if you tell someone you're free, but you're not free to sin, are you free? Now, if, if, if you're in a relationship, okay, John and Louie are going to get married soon. <laughs> you know, she, <laughs> right? she, you know Louie, you're free, but you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. No. She's free enough to choose to leave and cheat on you. She's free to do that. But, <laughs> Lord willing, <laughs> Lord willing, she won't. <coughs> I am so free that I'm free to curse, to do drugs, to sleep around. But, by the grace of God, my prayer is that I don't do those things. Why? Because those things are not good for me. But between me and God, because of the death of Christ, Sin is not an issue with God anymore. You are free. And that's how free you are, folks. Is that new? Because I've always even, I used to teach that to you. Yeah, you're free, but you're free to overcome that sin. That's the free. No, you're even free to sin. But God willing, you don't. Ooh, I'm feeling electricity. Okay, right? You guys get that, folks? You are free. And that's it. Okay, that's the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And just like what Roly was saying earlier, it's baliktad. It's not about us focusing on the love of uh, us focusing on loving God, but let's focus on God's love for us. You'll understand what true freedom means. Okay, stop condemning yourself. Okay, if you guys did some stupid crap this week, it's half of the week. His mercy's there. God still looks at you exactly the same. Why? It's good news. It's good news. That's how free you are. And isn't that what's so amazing, Louis? The freedom to know that John is still committed to you, that he has the freedom to mess around. But he freely chooses to stay committed to you and say, I want to marry Louie and be with her forever. <laughs> Remy's like, why aren't you using examples of us? Okay, us too. Okay. Okay. Isn't that amazing, folks? The freedom that we have in Christ. In Christ. Okay, is that it? Any questions before we end? Okay. Thoughts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just thinking earlier because it just come it just come to me. Uh, we were talking about the types before were kept in uh, storehouse. 
which were Joshua's chambers in a temple. So, but now in the new covenant, where's the temple now? It's our body, right? So it just came to me, which part of the body has chambers? There might be many, some. But one is our heart, right? It has chambers. So in the new covenant, where's the tithes kept now? It's kept in our heart. And what's in our heart now? We have money in there, man. <laughs> Cholesterol. <laughs> I know there's food there. But it's Jesus Christ in our heart now. So I really nod to that. Right now, Jesus Christ really is our tithes. And He's in our heart so we could freely give from our heart. Good. 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 There's food in there. Anyone else? Closing? No? Just telling John that I think although it's a broken system, It's crazy, huh? Yeah. Isn't it crazy that let's just say you could be a stinky, stinking like stinky, <laughs> you could be a green person, <laughs> and you, you, <laughs> you could be a stinky person, and so, <laughs> okay? Let's just say you gave out of guilt, even though you gave out of guilt, it's still gonna go to the poor, it still helps somebody. Do you get what I'm saying? So, you're that, that's it. You're rewarded for. Oh, what's that? Was that? It's a reward. It's not a blessing. Yeah, exactly, right. I think. Hello, brother. I think that now, parang after let's say this revelation and tithing, the message at the end of the day is not to judge people who are in the system or even judge the system. Yeah. But it's really more for you. Yeah, yeah, it's for you. Like when you, the main benefit of the message is that when you give, it actually gives you a compass. Why are you giving? If you actually do tithe, at the end of the day, it's still your choice. Right, right, right. You can still tithe. Remember, that's not what I'm against. Because I was always focusing on the heart, you know. So if I said anything that was kind of like, here's what I notice with people when they listen to my sermons. Once they hear that, they ignore the rest, you know, and they tend to paint everything else in that light. You guys get my heart about you can give, you can give ten, you can give eleven, you can give nine. It's the heart. And I guess the bro, the moment you start accounting and talk about percentages. Yeah, right. It's kind of. Okay. It, it kind of weird, huh? You know, like, oh, no, 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 give too much. No, give too, you know, I still need this, you know. Just give, man. And I think it'll be more natural when you just want to just do that. You know, and like on Valentine's Day, you have to buy her something. When you really think about it, this is kind of funny, though. You feel obligated. You had but But it isn't, I'm pretty sure the girls appreciate the more spontaneous things. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Okay, anyways, whatever. Okay.